Welcome from Tiffin Baptist Church. We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, everybody. How's it going? Do you, does who? I was here a couple of years ago. Does anyone remember me? Or Okay, so, <laughs> so that's the sign of the room I got to bond with, okay? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I like this church a lot. It means a lot to me. Like I said, this is the first place I actually was invited to come speak, and so I'm excited to come back and speak. I pray for you because, gosh, you have invited my dad to be your pastor, and that requires some deal of faith. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so today, as you can see, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 4, if you want to go ahead and start making your way there, beginning in verse 7. And I'm going to start uh, this sermon today by telling you guys a story. My wife has been really into politics recently. I'm not sure what it is, but just recently she has been listening to a lot of political podcasts, and she's never done this before up until... I don't know, the past six months or so. And so there was a conservative speaker coming to her school. His name's Michael Knowles, and it's the school UMKC up there in Kansas City. And he was invited to come speak at this, this school, which is overtly liberal. And she starts telling me about this, about this speaker that we're going to go see, and, he, and how there's going to be protests about it. And so I'm nervous. And uh, just a, a little information about UMKC is they've got groups dedicated to LGBTQ community. And so I'm already nervous to attend this lecture. And then she tells me what it's going to be about. And it's going to be about men are not women. So that doesn't make me feel any better. And so I get to go to this. And as we begin to line up and take our seats in the school, you can just look around and you can see that not everybody's there to be in full support of Michael Knowles. Then we go and we take our seats and they all sit together. So there was evidently going to be some type of protest. Michael actually talked about it at the, before he even began to speak. He said, there's supposed to be a silent walkout. Well, I'm not kidding you guys whenever I say that as soon as Michael began to open up his mouth, people just began to shout. They wanted to cause as much noise as they possibly could. As the lecture progressed, you, you couldn't understand what was going on. It just became a chamber hall of noise, and they were shouting profanities and just calling him names and things that I would never repeat to anybody in private, let alone scream it aloud in a lecture hall. And it just turned to chaos, pretty much. You couldn't hear what was going on. Well, about halfway through his, his lecture, his speech, someone stands up and says, let's get out of here, guys. And so they all start to like, stand up and walk out. And it was supposed to be, the plan was, a silent walk out. Uh, but in this case, D, or plan in action, they did not coincide whatsoever. People began to ring cowbells. They began to blast air horns. They just were screaming. It turned from loud to just craziness. Someone had Michael Knowles' book, and they threw it at him in his direction. It didn't hit him. Uh, Michael made a joke about it. He's funnier than I am. He said, at least they bought the book. <laughs> And then once about 90% of the people were out of the room, 85 to 90%, somebody comes in, rushes in, they have a mask on, they have a squirt gun on, or they have a squirt gun in their hand, and they begin to spray some like unknown substance on Michael. And the cops take him down, they tase him, people start shouting, the people who are outside who have already left try to like get inside, they almost start riding, pushing up against the cops, the cops are trying to get the doors closed. It was terrifying, and I'm, I was shaking whenever they were just screaming, and now I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go. 
So I, so I tell you this story not to take the side of the speaker or, or condemn those who were shouting, but I tell you this story to paint a picture of what it's like whenever people do not have the love of Christ inside of them. So let's begin to read. Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God. And everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God because God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. You see, a lot of you probably won't experience something like what I've just told you about. But in a day and age where it seems like everybody is mad at everybody, they all have something to be upset about, it is more important now than ever for us to display God's love. You might never experience something like that personally, but you do experience it on a smaller scale with how you interact with other people. As we, read, as we read that passage, what we see is that God's love makes us distinct. And we are supposed to love other people because of how God loved us, which is sending his son on the cross to die for us. So I don't have slides or any notes, but if you are taking notes, I have three points. The first one we're going to see in verses 7 and 8, and that is Christians are made distinct by their love. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another because love is from God and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. The one who does not love does not know God. Now, because we're kind of just jumping right in the middle of this text and you guys don't know what's going on, we haven't worked through it together, I feel obligated, like I should tell you what's going on right now. You see, the author, John, is writing to this group of believers who have been hurt. They have been almost minorly persecuted in some sort of way by a group of false teachers, people who claim to be Christians, but they actually weren't. And it's the, the book of 1 John is littered with references about these people, about how they're supposed to be distinct. So if we look in 1 John chapter 2, verse 10, the one who loves his brother remains in light, and there is no cause for stumbling in him. But the one who hates his brother is in darkness, walks in darkness, and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Chapter 3, verse 10 again, the later half of verse 10. Whoever does not do what is right is not of God, especially the one who does not love his brother. For this is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another, jumping down to verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love our brothers. The one who does not love remains in death. Then chapter 5, verse 13. I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. So what is going on right now is he is writing to these people saying, hey, these, these false teachers, these people who claim to be Christians, they were not actually Christians. And here's how you can tell the difference between people who claim to follow Christ and people who do not actually follow Christ. This is how you know you are Christ followers. 
And he references several times that it is love. So we, as Christians, are made distinct by our love. You may think, well, I, thought, I thought it was faith that made us distinct by our we're made distinct by our faith. Well, I mean, you're right. We are made distinct by our faith. But what did Jesus say? Jesus said, whenever he was asked what the most important commandments were, he said to love your neighbor and to love God. James says that faith without works is dead. So we are called, we are commanded to love. It's not faith. Faith is important, but we, whenever we love others, we are showing our faith. So we are to love. We are to be made distinct by how we love. The one who does not love God does not know God. Now, this is important. This is something that I want to highlight. Because whenever we look around, we look at the world, there are people in the world who are not Christians who show love. I mean, we can see it. We see people who do good things because, because they're good people. But we are to be made distinct from those people. You see, they love because they're made in the image of God. They have the common grace of love that God gives them. But whenever we love, we love differently. How do we love differently? Well, it's hard. We love when it's not easy to love. I am a, I'm a target target tech team lead. I help, I help a lot of elderly people with their phones, older than my dad, with their, <laughs> with their phones. I, I, I teach them how to use their phones, and, and, they, and they learn it and stuff. And it's a learning process sometimes. And, and they also come and sign up and everything. But that's what I do for work. And so this one day, there's a lot of people there. I'm helping about two to three couples. So Four to six people are there, all waiting on me. And then this one guy shows up, and he starts displaying all of the qualities of impatience. And you know what they are, because you've probably displayed them anytime you've had to walk into a DMV or something like that. So he starts, he starts just as soon as he shows up. I can tell that he's already upset that he has to be there. He starts pacing back and forth, you know, taking deep breaths looking at his watch, and looking at me, and not like in the loving way of looking, not the loving way, but not like the curious way, like, you know, hey, is it, are you almost done? It's like, uh, it's like, like this, it's like, like that. So I can tell, just as I'm helping other people, that this guy does not want to be there. And then he eventually cuts, he cuts in front of the line of the people who are waiting, comes up and talks to me, and he says, and I don't remember exactly what happened, but I remember how the conversation ended, and it ended up with him insulting me in some minor way, saying something like, at least I know what words mean, trying to imply that I didn't know what I was saying or something like that. I don't remember, but I do remember what I said. And what I said was I looked at him and I said, I'm sorry, sir, I don't have to help you at all if you don't want me to. Now, that was not the right thing to say in that moment. At the moment, I was already frustrated because of everything that, would hap that had happened. But then I said that. Basically saying, if you're not going to be nice to me, you can just leave, because I can't help you anyway. I had a very distinct opportunity 
to show him the love of Christ, and I very much failed at that moment. I apologize to the other people who were in front of me because that is not how I am supposed to be as a Christian. When I claim to follow Christ, I can't do that. We cannot do that. Whenever other people do not love us, that doesn't give us an excuse to be rude to them, to not love them, because we're made distinct by our love. We're not the same way as everybody else. The Bible says, uh, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 5, to love our enemies. He says, it's easy for you to love somebody who loves you in return. Dad. But whenever somebody doesn't love you, that's when it gets hard. And we're still supposed to love them. We're made distinct by our love. Why? How? Moving on. The end of verse 8. This is too, I got to bend over too much. God is love. God's love was revealed among us in this way. God sent his one and only son into the world so that we might live through him. Love consists in this, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation of our sins. So point two, if you're taking notes again, I don't have anything up there, is that God's love was displayed to us by the act of Jesus Christ dying on the cross. Now, we just got done celebrating Easter, so hopefully this is pretty fresh in your mind still, but I understand, I mean, you didn't even know that what, how long next week was, so Delbert. So, <laughs> so we're going we're gonna to cover, recover, or go over it a little again. So God is love. This is a distinct characteristic of how God is. God is not the total embodiment of love. That's not all God is. He is not just love, but it is a very distinct characteristic of God. God's love was revealed to us in this way, that he sent his one and only son. That one and only son, it speaks about the uniqueness of Jesus Christ. Jesus was God's only plan to save us. He didn't have a plan B. That's how much God loves us. He says, this is the way I'm going to save them, and that's it. He sent him into the world so that we might live through him. Guys, we were dead before this. That we might live through him indicates in order to live, we have to be dead before that. And that's exactly what we were. Before God loved us, before he sent his son to die on the cross for us, and we accepted him, we were dead in our sins. Love consists in this, in verse 10. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. So there is nothing that we could have done to gain the love of God. There's nothing that we could have done to make God say, actually, uh, I've kind of changed my mind on this one. I'm going to go send my son on the cross to die for him. I was thinking about not doing it, but they've just been so good recently that I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and love him anyway. No, we did not love God. God loved us first and then sent his son to die on the cross for us. And this is the example that we have to follow whenever we're trying to love other people. That's some pretty high stakes. God sending his son to die on the cross is the ultimate display of love. The forgiveness of sins is the ultimate display of love. 
And this is the example that we have to follow. And not only is it the example that we have to follow, but it's the example that we have in us. God's love, the love that caused him to send his son on the cross to die for us, is in us. We've got that. And that's how we're supposed to love other people. With forgiveness in mind. Verse 12, or 11. Dear friends, if God loved us in this way, we must also love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God remains in us and his love is perfected in us. So because of this, because of God sending his son to die on the cross for us, it causes us to love other people. We can't go throughout our Christian lives and we can't call ourselves Christian if we don't love other people. It's not possible. If you're going throughout your life, and I know I gave an example of, of a time that I failed to love somebody, but I, can look, I, can, I know that I can look at my own life and say, well, I've displayed God's love when it wasn't easy. And if you can't do that, if you can't look at your own life and see a time in your life whenever you have displayed God's love to somebody, it's hard. I would seriously evaluate where your Christian relationship with God stands. I mean, think about it. If someone comes up to you and doesn't love you, like they're rude to you, with that guy that I worked with in Target, my first thought wasn't, well, I bet he's a Christian. No, my first thought was, get the heck out of my face. So I would seriously evaluate your relationship with God if you are continually, time and time and time again, failing to love other people. And not just the people that you interact with at work, the people that you interact with here in this body. This letter, after all, is written to a group of believers. So look at how you treat each other in the church. If you can't love other people in the church, then you certainly can't love other people who aren't loving you first. Teachers in the room, love your students when they're hard to love. People with clients, people that you work with on a daily basis, that, that you work for them. You've got to love them when they're difficult to love. Students in the room, if you've got teachers, and believe me, because I've had a few teachers who, who were not easy to love. But you've got to love them. You've got to show them that you're different than every other student. Because you have the love of Christ in you. I'm just going to talk about a few things because the last parts of these verses can get a little confusing. No one has ever seen God. That's speaking in the literal sense. Nobody has ever seen God. Verse 20 helps us to understand what this means. The later half of verse 20. For the person who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Because we have a relationship with God, people should be able to look at us and, and just catch a glimpse of God. Now, it's like 
especially in my case, it's like a broken and shattered and foggy mirror that reflects God's love, but it's still there. When people look at you, they should be able to see Christ. If we love one another, God remains in us, and his love is perfected in us. When we love other people, the circuit of God's love is perfected in us. We are doing God's work when we love other people distinctly. So I would just, as we look at this text, I would just ask you to ask yourself, and seriously, seriously ask yourself, are you loving other people? And think about it. Think about it in your own life. Think about specific interactions that you've had with other people. Think about times when you've failed, and think about times when you've succeeded. Are you loving other people, and how? How are you loving them? If somebody that you interact with on a daily basis, if they learned that you claimed to believe in Jesus Christ, how would they, how would they react? Would they say, well, I'm shocked? Or would they say, yeah, that makes sense. I can see it. Probably more importantly, where is this love rooted? Is this love rooted in, in the common grace love that the, the entire world has? You're not making yourself any more distinct from anybody else? Or is it rooted in the love that God gives you? Are you loving other people with the intention to show them the love of God? Or are you loving them to make yourself feel good? I know that my dad usually goes like 45 minutes to an hour and a half. When I talk to him on the phone, he, he always tells me, oh, I went 45 minutes today. I was like, wow, that's really long. And he's like, no, that's, that's kind of short for me, actually. <laughs> So as Sandra comes up to play, I'm just going to ask that you, you look at those questions in your life. See how they look for you. There may be some of you in here who, probably all of you, can think of a time whenever you did not love somebody. You need to ask forgiveness for that. And there may be some of you in here who have some sort of ongoing dispute. You cannot, you cannot resolve some, some sort of argument that you have with somebody else. And you, what you need to do is, as we pray, you need to repent of that. You need to confess that to God, and then what you need to do after that is you need to go to that person, and you need to apologize, and you need to begin to love them. There may be, I know most of you here on a regular basis, but I'm not willing to, to count it out. There may be some of you in here who, who do not know the love that God gives us. 
you do not know the loving sacrifice of Jesus coming to the cross and dying for our sins. If you want to know that, you, you can come talk to me, talk to my dad, and we'll help you through that. And then there may be others of you who you are so burdened by your inability to love that you need to confess that to somebody else. Now, you can talk to me, but I would encourage you to talk to my dad, to your pastor about that, so he can pray with you and love on you and walk you through that. Guys, thank you for your time. It was short today. If you had lunch plans, move them up. And we will, we will pray. God, thank you for everything that you've given us. Thank you for this opportunity to come up here, God. I pray that they took something home with them, that you, that your Holy Spirit worked within them, God, that, that you continue to work in them throughout the rest of this week, throughout the rest of the month, and the rest of their life, God. Thank you for giving your Son on the cross to die for us. Thank you for making, making that your ultimate display of love. God, I pray that we go throughout our week loving other people. Even when it's hard. God, we love you so much. In your name we pray. Amen. From Tiffin Baptist Church, thank you for listening to this sermon. Our Sunday service starts at 1045, and we'd love to have you join us.